This is The Machine Shop, hosted by Bobby Amo. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the sixth episode of The Machine Shop. Welcome back. Uh, as you could see on the screen here, I have my sixth guest with me, and he goes by the name of Paul Sutt. Paul, say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. Paul is a good friend of mine. He's a fellow cosplayer. He's a sword maker. He's an actor. He's, he's done quite a bit in his life. So we're going to kind of go through how he got started into his creative processes. We're, we're going to dive a little deep in here. So right now I'm going to turn it over to Paul and let him tell us a little bit about himself and we will get right down to it. So Paul, take it away a little bit. Give us some detail about yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bobby. So yeah, my name is Paul Sutt. I am currently a sword maker and getting back into acting again. Um, I've been doing blacksmithing for 20 plus years. Uh, it's my passion. I absolutely love doing it. I just recently was on an episode of Forged in Fire on the History Channel, and that was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to being on that show again in the future. Um, now I'm uh, pursuing acting again, trying to get back into that. Um, I used to do that years ago. I was in a few little films, and uh, it was a lot of fun, but I was younger then, and the industry was a lot different than it is now. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. Of course, I'm also an effects artist. I've been doing effects in films for 30 plus years. Um, uh, all kinds of different costumes for films and props and monsters and suits and blood gags and squib effects and just all kinds of different things like that. So I've really been uh, tried to stay kind of relevant in the industry one way or another, just because it's a lot of fun. And uh, of course, you mentioned the cosplay. Love to do that. I love to model um, costumes, shows, modeling. All to me is all part of the entertainment aspects of life, uh, which is my passion once again. And just try to have as much fun as I can. Okay. All right. So, well, you mentioned in there, obviously, the cosplaying, but let's start with the creative part because you're obviously, you just mentioned blacksmithing for 20 years. And as I can see behind you, we have a wall of swords. So dive into that a little bit and let's hear about that. Well, growing up, of course, uh, I grew up in the 80s and, uh, you know, I was a young kid, but man, Conan the Barbarian, Beastmaster, those fantasy sorcerer films from the 80s. You know, I loved those as a kid. They were so much fun. And um, as I was growing up a little bit in the early 90s, a friend of mine uh, said, you know, that he, he knew someone who was an apprentice for a blacksmith that was making swords and weapons for Ren Fairs. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. It, he said, you know, you, you ought to talk to this guy. So I jumped on it right away. And uh got to know him and went up to the forge, got to meet the head blacksmith and such. Uh, they used to make uh, swords for several different Ren Fairs for the reenactors that take part to do sword fights. And then also we would go to Ren Fairs 
set up a little blacksmithing area and we would do demonstrations for people and we'd make swords and knives right there that then we would sell at the different shows okay. and I, oh man that was so much fun love that whole immersive fun ren fair feeling of dressing up and playing characters and <laughs> so much fun and the chance to actually hammer steel and to show uh what we what we do it was just a great several years we did that for about three or four years and then as life often happens things change the head blacksmith uh had uh some health problems and unfortunately it led to his retirement um so then for 20 years i really didn't do any blacksmithing i every once in a year or so i'd make a knife and just do a little bit um but i didn't really have a good facility uh a blacksmithing setup um so my dad uh god rest his soul when he was still alive he asked me you know what tell me about what a blacksmithing table is i mean how does this work and i explained it to him lo and behold he done made me one uh made a beautiful table uh perfect um he was an amazing amazing man he could do anything so he built me this blacksmithing table when i blacksmith i learned he was a uh, the guy i learned from was actually a civil war reenactor he learned to smith as the civil war time period in that civil war time period and that's how we learned so i smith with uh charcoal actually hardwood lump charcoal uh that's pretty much what they've been using for thousands of years and um that's the way i do it so i forge in an old-fashioned historical way um so dad made me this table i started the blacksmith a little bit again and uh started making more knives usually as fast as i can make them somebody buys them up. So uh, I would make one, put it up on Facebook, show some people, it's gone right away. Um, so when the Forged in Fire casting came around, I was like, you know what? I'm a little rusty, but you know, life is too short to hold back. So I went for it and um, they took me on the show right away. And uh, again, put me on a civil war battle was the episode I was on. Uh, which I'm sure had a lot to do with the fact that I learned from a Civil War blacksmith reenactor. <clears throat> um, so uh, now, uh, prior to this whole COVID thing happening, I was pretty much working different fields, personal trainer and teaching martial arts and stuff. And uh, once COVID happened, all that came to a crashing halt. And I started blacksmithing full time at that point. And uh, I'm still... Now I end up, I have so many orders, I'm just always trying to stay ahead of the orders that I have. Okay, so you were on Forged in Fire. How long ago were you on Forged in Fire now? Was well, my episode, uh, it aired May 5th, was the first time it aired. Uh, they repeat the airings a lot. So it's on every now and again on Wednesday or so on the History Channel, it'll replay. But um, my episode, it actually played on uh, May 5th, was the, the first airing of the episode. Season 8, episode 20, uh, Civil War Battle. It was a ton of fun, a lot of fun to do. I mean, I, I saw the episode after the fact. I didn't watch it the day it aired, but I saw it afterwards. And I'm just like, you know, I always knew he was into this cool stuff, but watching him on TV doing it was 
was awesome. You did great on the show. And the sword you made was pretty damn awesome. Oh, thank you very much. It, it performed excellent in the kill test. You know, so yeah, I chopped that thing to shreds. And there, there's a lot that happens on the show that they don't show you. Uh, one of which was when Doug slashed the thing after he was done, the guts fell out of the thing. And that was a highlight to see, to see that. And he turned around and looked at it and he looked back at the camera or looked back at me and said, this is a killing machine. And I so wanted that to air, but they must have edited that particular clip out. But it was amazing. Lives on in my memory. That's okay. But now everybody's going to hear that there were guts on the floor from the show, right from the yeah. mouth who was there. I sliced that thing up real good. Um, it was a lot of fun. In fact, I have. Uh, yes, let's let's see some of the let's see some of the stuff you have here. Show us. When I was on the episode, one of the things that they had us do in the first challenge was make what's called an Arkansas toothpick, um, thirteen inches long. And um, after I got home, I had to recreate that because, unfortunately, I wasn't able to keep the one that I made in five hours. Okay. But I wanted to recreate one. So I did this one in five hours after I got home so I could have a memento uh, of what I did on the show. And that was a fun one. I, I like to make things like this is more of the style that I prefer to make. I that's, love a, that's a badass knife. Thank you. <laughs> and it's uh, fully functional. This thing is battle ready. And uh, I love the, this is my own design. Uh, love that kind of video game fantasy, yet functional. Uh, yeah. A lot of people sell wall hangers. You know, they're, they're machined pressed swords. Um, they're not really combat usable. And, you know, some people don't understand what the combat usable means or why anybody would want in today's day and age a battle-ready type sword. But, uh, you know, you're obviously not going to war with it. And uh, But it's nice to have that historical, accurate, real thing, the way it was done thousands of years. You know, that's what is special about blacksmithing to me, to be able to recreate something from the past as it was made in the past, um, a lot of modern steel is, uh, you know, they, they have so many different kinds. You can go on, you know, Amazon and, and buy a sword for a hundred bucks, but you could never do anything with it other than hang it on the wall. Right. Uh, I like to make videos where I chop right. all things up. You know, uh, I like to show the swords and what they can do. Uh, this is a, a Viking sword that I did. I put runes on it. This was actually, there was a, a sword found in a Viking grave that was uh, several hundred years old. And they did a kind of a spectral analysis on it. And in that, they saw there were runes on the sword. I think you can probably see them. Actually, yes, you can. You could see it pretty clear. Uh, yeah, you could see them pretty clear. They, they shine nice in the light. Yeah, yeah there they are. A, a tough thing to photograph swords. Uh, with the shines on them. But this is an exact recreation of that sword that was found in the Viking grave. Exactly the same size, the same weight, everything I did to make it perfect as it was. Um, to me, that's fun. You know, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, that To be able to make things like that. And then, of course, here's another one that I did. This is my Beastmaster sword. 
Now, uh, in 19, early 80s, there was a movie called The Beastmaster. It's, uh, a, it's a great movie. Love that film. When I was a kid, you know, that was so, I love animals. You know, I'm a huge animal lover. And in the movie, the character, the Beastmaster, obviously had several different animals that he was linked to. And it's just a great movie. If you haven't seen the Beastmaster, go check it out. It's just a ton of fun. And to me, I always wanted to make, to remake, I should say, the sword from the movie. It was made by an absolute genius sword maker. And um, I, I love that sword. To me, that was a, a special sword. So this one I made for myself. It's all made of a high carbon steel. I've done several videos of chopping different things apart, fish, chickens, ropes, uh, jugs of water, you know, anything I can find that I can cut up. I'm, I love to chop up on video. So it's just a lot of fun. You know, I, I enjoy having a good time that that sword alone is a beauty everything that you have shown here are really great pieces of work this is a to say the least. More while we're at it this is a custom sword that i did um this thing i call it my war sword and uh that's that's wicked oh my god yeah so this again this is one of my uh original designs that i did it has a, a great long handle, solid one piece, all made of high carbon steel. This thing, you can hold it like a baseball bat. You can hold it one handed. This is an amazingly fun sword to play with in the wheel. I, I think that I think that's an understatement of saying it's an amazingly looking sword and definitely a a beast in itself. Look at that thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little tough getting it. There we go. Oh, yeah. look at that. Definitely more of the style that I love to do. And again, this thing, some people would think, well, you know, historically, this isn't a, an accurate historical sword. Um, but this is usable. If you showed up 300 years ago on the battlefield with this sword, uh, <laughs> people would run. I, you know? I think run would be an understatement. I, they'd be like, I think we're just going to be done and that would be it but that is a beautiful piece thank you i do a lot of other things like i do regular uh style hunting knives i've just gotten into doing kydex uh tactical type sheaths and then you know with like hunting knives and utility knives and things like that with the tactical sheaths i just started doing those they're a ton of fun and uh, okay. different styles i also do chef knives different but i do when i do a chef knife i do it in the style of like a viking knife like here's one this is a chef knife that i did and it's okay. done in a in a style of the sax blades from history you know it's a fun cooking yeah mm -hmm. i get a lot of guys that uh say you know i want i do a lot of cooking and i and i have friends over and I want to have a knife that when I pull that thing out, my friends are going, oh, where the hell did you get that thing? You know? So, hey, it's good to impress, you know, and have something that looks spectacular. You want to show off in front of your friends and dice up some some steaks or something. You know? I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. So for anybody who sees this and what and seeing it, 
you pick a knife and everything and pick a knife and go from there so i guess for uh, for a normal knife and or sword for either one about how long to take from you start to finish uh, i guess yeah give us like a, a time frame if you could about how long does it take to do either a sword or a regular knife like you showed um the swords uh you know uh there's a lot of different things that you can do that either change the price up on these things you know the steel alone um i tend to use uh, extremely high quality 1095 steel high carbon stuff it's like the best steel you can get it produces amazing weapons the steel sometimes runs a lot you know uh sometimes just to make a sword the piece of steel alone will cost sixty dollars uh just before i do anything with it uh hard right. and handles you throw on another 30 bucks if you put brass on it you know that brings the price up swords uh they i'll tell you the so again to answer your question the time it takes ends up reflecting on the price i can make a sword if somebody's looking for something that they mostly just are looking to have to hang on the wall and look nice i can knock that out in about three days or so and i try to use less than the best quality stuff you know because I, I can get lesser steels They're, they wouldn't hold up in combat but they look beautiful right um, most of the time though people want the top end highest they want it to be battle ready if they you know you could if a bear attacks you you're set with one of my things those are the, the higher end steels i can like this viking sword that i showed you a little bit ago i spent uh probably over uh, at least seven days working on this thing to get this done now this started life as now you know we're looking at a 36 a 36 inch long sword originally this started life as a block of steel that was about two feet long and about an inch thick and i brought that i drew that piece of steel out i hammered it down um it actually took me i timed it i spent 15 hours hammering the steel into the shape i did it all with a hammer in hand a four pound hammer, no machines. I did it the way it was done in old times. Uh, a lot of people have a press. A buddy of mine has a uh, beautiful press and he said, you know, well, I could, I could press that out in three hours. I said, sure you could, but that's not the way I do things. I would rather do it all by hand. And um, so the time it takes, man, I'll tell you, I, I can spend uh, a week putting detail and the etching and everything else. Now these knives, uh, like more like the style knife. Yeah. I use a, a block of steel, I hammer it all out, I hammer the point in, and then I bevel out the edges and everything. But I can do a knife like this, you know, in six hours, I can have it all finished up. Okay. Um, now the, the Kydex sheath, you know, that take another couple hours to do that, an hour or two. Uh, but yeah, so I can get one of these done, you know, or a couple in a day. Um, sometimes I'll do five or six similar knives like that all at the same time and uh, kind of go through the, all the steps of forging. Then they go after forging. So you hammer them all out to shape. Then it has to be hardened. Uh, you have to heat that blade up red hot 
and quench it in a, a quenching oil, a very special kind of oil that then what happens is it cools the blade so fast that it makes it very, very hard. It hardens that steel up. At that point, though, the steel becomes slightly brittle. Uh, if you were to harden his blade and drop it, it could break. Um, right. With hardness comes that brittleness. So at that point, you have to temper the steel. And that by tempering it, it goes into an oven. Usually the way it works is it goes in an oven at 400 degrees uh, for two hours. Then it comes out of the oven and has to cool for a half an hour and then goes back in again for another two hours at 400 degrees. And what that does is it takes a little bit of the hardness out and makes it more flexible. After that, the blade is ready to go. So, um, you know, I go through a procedure to, to make these. I do them the way they were done, uh, you know, all hammered, all done by hand. The only modern tool that I actually use is my grinder. Um, you know, the old days of the foot pedal with the wheel that spins around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I draw the line. I'm sorry, but uh, that Understa understandable. I, yeah. Modern times with the uh, with the grinder. I also do a lot of uh, like here is a this was a monkey wrench. Uh, you can see the monkey wrench and yeah. would come down. So I like to do things out of older tools. Um, I like make a lot of weapons and knives and war hammers and things like that. Uh, it all falls into that post-apocalyptic genre. I really right. love that. You know, I love to do uh, weapons that look like they came out of the Mad Max films and things. Okay, so so we got a good little lesson there on on blacksmithing and your swords and knives. That's a wonderful thing to hear about. We don't get hey, that very much. More. Uh, I also shoot some videos under the banner of Forge Junkie. I have a YouTube channel. I don't do a lot of videos. I just do them for fun. To be honest, it's just, I, you know, I've come to realize in life through all my years that it's, uh, you know, trying to enjoy things, having fun, enjoying life, doing the things you love is super important. You know, too many people push the things they love off. They don't mm. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, again, uh, cosplay and modeling and stuff. Uh, to me, it's just so much fun to do. that. Uh, so even with the swords and the videos, you know, sometimes I dress up and I do them in character, you know, whatever. I do them for me more than anyone else. Just, just my thing. That's my jam. That's, hey, if it's your jam, though, but if people want to get to know it and they want to see it, they will absolutely go see it. So tell, say that one more time where the videos, where they can find you on YouTube. Say it one more time for me. Thank you. It's a Forge Junkie, F-O-R-G-E-J-U-N-K-I-E, Forge Junkie. I got a Facebook page for it as well and, uh, and, and the YouTube channel. A lot of fun. So for those of you interested in the sword making process and for that and his swords, go check them out there. And hey, if you want a sword, you miss the man's right here so but we'll be getting to that a little later so he just mentioned and you just mentioned cosplaying as we could see, well i could see on the screen here as i'm sure as a few others is freddy krueger and oh, yeah. dracula so now let's dive into the cosplaying when did that become a fun thing to do because you and i have done plenty of shoots together as freddy jason and michael dive into that rabbit hole a little bit 
But, you know, I was the kid uh, that when I was seven years old, I would tie a cape around my neck and run around as Superman, you know? I would run around at night as uh, pretending I was the Wolfman. Uh, no brothers, no sisters. Uh, grew up in an area where my closest friend was five miles away. So I had to entertain myself a lot. Nobody to play with, you know? So I, my imagination was it. You know, I would, uh, I would just naturally love to do that and that sort of just manifested into you know costuming and and making outfits and things like that it's just been something i've been doing my whole life uh i say i was cosplaying before cosplay was even a word yeah you know, i mm -hmm. it's true i'm an old guy and i've been doing it forever um i started going to uh the cons when the cons started to happen you know, I was at some of the very first New York Comic Cons and things like that. And some of the different shows that are around my area, the tri-state, your area. Um, I would go to all the shows I could go to. And, you know, for for a very long time, I was the only person dressing up. And, uh, you know, I felt kind of weird. Uh, but many a show I would go to dressed as something and people would look at me. What the heck is wrong with him? You know? <laughs> And slowly, slowly, more and more people started to, to see why and, and to jump on the fun of what it is. Um, so, again, for me, when you know, when I started, I was all about, like, I was Mr. I have to make everything myself. Mm -hmm. uh, now, again, that leads me into the special effects things. I started to do special effects. Um, I was really lucky uh, growing up that um, I... I've had some really good friends that helped me a lot. Um, I was friends there for many, many years and worked with Tom Savini, uh, an absolute amazing makeup effects artist, one of my heroes growing up. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Tom Savini uh, was a protege of uh, Dick Smith, which was one of the greatest makeup effects artists of all time who did like The Exorcist and thing, mm -hmm. revolutionary stuff. And then Tom went on to do like the Friday the 13th, the first one, and and also part four, uh, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, um, The Prowler. Uh, and then he's just an amazing guy. You know, they call him the, the godfather of gore. Uh, he went on to direct uh, George Romero uh, film, the remake of the 1990 Night of the Living Dead, um, which was awesome. He did a great job as that and in that. And went on to be an actor. Um, most notably, my favorite part that Tom ever did was Sex Machine. <laughs> yeah. Tarantino's Dust of Dawn. That part was iconic. I mean, that, that gun alone that he had <laughs> yeah. fit the role perfectly. Yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, you know, Tom was a great guy, and he taught me a ton of things. I went on to take that and, uh, you know, and then all the, the costuming and stuff, and I ended up uh, having a... Uh, a pretty good run with makeup effects. I still do things. Uh, my very close friend, Jerry Constantine, who has uh, an effects business in Burbank, California called Constantine Effects, uh, an amazing artist, uh, literally one of the greatest artists I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, he is an incredible guy and a, and a fantastic friend, best friend you could ever hope for. And uh, I work with Jerry on a lot of projects. Um, he brings me in and, uh, you know, if there's certain things that need to be done related to leather work or costuming or something like that, then that's my expertise. I do a lot of that stuff and weapon making. 
Uh, I also did squeeze. Okay. The bullet hits and things. I I was one of the first to develop a pneumatic system, an air powered system for bullet hits that eliminated the need for gunpowder. So uh, on a lot of movies, the I would come in and I would do the pneumatic squibs and things like that. And if anybody's interested in just what I did, you could just look on IMDb. My my page is up there with uh, all the movies I've done, and I've I've done some acting. Uh, when I was younger, I was a big part of a movie that just recently came out. It was a really fun little movie that was shot back in the, the 90s, the mid-90s, when I was uh, in doing a lot more effects. And um, I was hired to act in the movie. And then they found out they had an effects artist and they weren't happy with him. And I jumped in. I could do the effects you know, for this. And next thing you know, they gave me the effects job on that project. Um, uh, I did. So I ended up acting in it, doing the effects. I ended up doing a graphics for it and uh, a lot of other different things. I was sort of a associate producer. I um, we filmed this thing all, all shot on real film cost a fortune back then. But back in the 90s, you know, there weren't and there wasn't an online presence like today. Right. You know, streaming shows you your options to sell something were either theatrical uh hbo cinemax net you know netflix wasn't there there was no netflix there was nothing like that so we shot this movie it never came out and um a few years ago the producers contacted me and said you know we're, we're thinking about trying to get this movie back out you know we've been sitting on it all these years and uh now with the way things are so I helped uh, film a few scenes. We did a really clever little thing where we had a podcast in the beginning. We brought back one of the characters that survived from the movie and uh, didn't even do any old age makeup on him. He already looked perfect. <laughs> and he filmed a scene where we did a podcast where he talks about what had happened. And within that, then we cut and you know segue to the actual movie and then at the end it cuts back into the podcast again to kind of bookend the fact that this movie was made a long time ago and uh we had a lot of fun getting that done and and now that's up uh it's on amazon it's called uh masked mutilator and it's a it's a fun movie it's crazy it's more of a uh slasher film but a lot of uh whodunit kind of mystery thing um it uh like i said it's on amazon it's on several other uh streaming services but i know it's on amazon and um it has a lot of there's like pro wrestling in it there's uh a lot of fighting martial arts uh some gore it's just a ton of fun a lot of a lot of good times making that all right so for those listening those who will be seeing this it's called the masked mutilator find it on amazon and a few other streaming services as well what what year did you guys like do that do you remember the year that you were I working on it 94 i believe okay. 94 into 95 i think is when we actually shot the initial footage you know shot everything made the original movie um uh, and then it didn't, you know, we only released it a, a year or two ago. It sat basically, uh, you know, we're back in the old days when they would shoot things on actual film. It had to be kept in a, 
cold storage facility. So for 20 years, you know, this footage all sat on reels of film in a cold uh, storage facility specifically designed for that sort of thing. And uh, we had to have everything transferred to digital. We had uh, a really amazing Italian composer come in and rescore the entire movie. Uh, we we really went to a lot of trouble to bring it up and uh, really make it something special. Okay, so we're gonna have to check that out then, everybody. Like that sounds so. You you said you did the effects <clears throat> and you acted in it. So I guess I guess without giving too much away since it was only released a year ago or, or two, I guess what were some of the effects that you did work on that I guess you could kind of get into specifically maybe? Well, you know, uh, we didn't want uh, at the time to go too over the top with right. it being like a gore fest. We were really trying to focus more on sort of an Alfred Hitchcock style of a mystery, you know, who did it. and um, But we did some really good stuff. We have... Um, Bodies being dismembered, of course. I mean, what kind of movie would it be without that? You know, uh, it, sometimes you need a little dismemberment. Have, you, know, you have to have a little dismemberment. We have people getting uh, crushed, and uh, you know that's always fun. Uh, crushing is good. There's a few that are just violent. There's a scene where you know it kind of touches some levels where the the killer actually strangles a girl to death kind of slowly and uh that that's pretty you know no gore in that at all but it's deep you know it's like when you see that it's it makes you feel something right it's, it's meant to have that it's meant to have that effect to it uh one of the best ones is uh uh now spoiler alert here so you know <laughs> mute the tv for 10 seconds if you don't want a spoiler but um, when my character, my character in the film's name is Jake, and when Jake meets his demise, he gets his head smashed in repeatedly on a beam and opens up a big slit and blood pouring out. He basically cracks the skull open and stuff. So that was a lot of fun. All the murder scenes in the movie are, are based on pro wrestling moves. Uh, so again, without giving too much away, but this is the, the basics, the mass mutilator, you know, it ties in a lot with an ex wrestler, um, who, uh, he puts that adds that. So with, when in his kills, he tends to do it with his hands, you know, he tends to get messy and, and want to kill people with his hands. Uh, we got some great, <laughs> some bones breaking, you know, people getting, uh, mauled pretty bad. That's okay. That sometimes the hands-on kills they they what we said before, like with the choking, they just add an effect because you don't think of the human hands being able to really have power or that much power behind them. So when you put that into a horror film uh, of any kind of caliber, it really has a good lasting effect on it. Would certainly say. Well, I'll tell you. You know, the writers on that were um, Dale Schneck and Ed Pulgardi, who's Ed Pulgardi just had a big number one movie. It was uh, number one in the box office for months during the COVID thing. Amazing guy. Uh, he's he's still out there making great horror films and and doing different things. But uh, when they wrote that, they had in mind doing something different. I mean, there's a lot of different movies, you know, where um, slashers, you know, like Jason the Machete. Well, Jason's a little different. In the early Jason movies, everything was a weapon to Jason. I really love that about him. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas like Michael Myers is more of a knife guy. <clears throat> you know, Freddy's got the claws, you know, it's kind of, but um, so when they did this, they wanted to break out of that. You know, they wanted to do something more original and, and just, they, everybody was into pro wrestling. Uh, the director of the film uh, goes by the name, his stage name is Brick Bronsky. Uh, now, Brick, he was in trauma films. He did a bunch. He was in the class of Newcomb Highs, uh, okay. subhumanoid meltdown and things like that. Uh, great guy. And he was also a pro wrestler at one point. So uh, Brick, um, you know, uh, we were immersed in, in the wrestling world when we did that. When Literally. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had several ex-wrestlers on there and everything that played parts, and it was a lot of fun. Very talented group of people. And it sounds like a great little film you guys did. So, yeah, Masked Mutilator, that's got to be checked out. Anybody who watches this and will see this, please go check out his movie. Find it on Amazon Prime to start. Also, just I got to give a shout-out to Tom Taylor, who was like the the main character in the film. The Again, when we brought... Uh, when we did the podcast, Tom is the one who came back in. He was the like the hero character of the film. He's the one that survived, you know. So right. it was perfect. And Tom, amazing martial artist. Uh, uh, he does some martial arts stuff in there that's that's still to this day. And you know, when we filmed that, a lot of the stuff these guys were not. Uh, but let me rephrase that. They were some seriously tough dudes. You know? <laughs> when they were doing the scenes, like they were like, come on, lay it in. You know, we need it to look real. You need to hit me hard, you know? Right. So they, were, they were laying hits in, you know, there were uh, Tom, you know, threw a kick, hit the dude in the throat, almost took him out at one point. Uh, they were, oh, they, you know, they were really into making it as real as possible. Uh there many a time, like Brick, his whole chest was black and blue for days after some of these scenes we did. Uh, we, we did one, and if you're a wrestling fan, you're familiar with chair shots. Mm. Well, they'll put them in the chair and crack them over the back or something. And uh, we didn't use a, a, a light little aluminum chair. They took a real old-school folding chair and beat the hell out of each other to the point they were sore for days to make sure it was legit and it looked real, you know, the folding chair just looked too fake in the movie. So they were like, no, it's okay. I got a chair for you. It's like, what? That thing weighs 20 pounds. What the hell, man? That's okay. Go ahead. Lay it in. I want it to look good. You suffer for the art to make it look good, as many Absolutely. people would say. So that's what they did. But hey, I'm sure it came out great on screen. Oh, yeah. And Tom, you know, again, amazing martial artist. He's the action star of the movie. And, uh, He's just a great guy and an amazing actor uh, on every front. So I just had to give him a shout out. Uh, you know, again, main, huge. He was a producer. He was a main player in getting that movie done. So uh, Tom definitely needs props. Tom, when you see this, if you're out there, you hear your buddy Paul Sutt getting you on the show here, my man. Always, always. So let's, uh, let's now cut a little more into that cosplay because that man was i'm looking at you to your left that uh freddy krueger uh, head there you how long have you been doing freddy krueger and what made you want to do freddy krueger as a cosplay um wow uh i guess like the freddy thing came about in sort of a a slow kind of way you know again um i'm like 5'10 
So I, I'm a funny guy when it comes to certain things. I'm real particular. Uh, I love Jason. Jason's my favorite slasher. I mean, really. I, uh, Friday the 13th, the movies, they're the bomb. They're my favorite of all the whole horror slasher movies. Like, I'm old school. I like Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. Tilt this over this way a little bit. Oh, look at that. You got Wolfman, Dracula. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, um... You know, so I love the old school stuff, uh, but and and Jason, man, that's that's you know, I grew up watching the early Friday Thirteenth, so and blew my mind. Uh, Freddy, I love Freddy, uh, especially like the first movie. I really love the first movie. The third movie are my favorites. I also love the uh, the uh, Jason versus uh, Freddy versus Jason movie, Jason versus Freddy, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I love that one. Uh, the way they portrayed Freddy in that, I just think is phenomenal. So again, though. I'm not tall enough to play Jason. To me, to be a Jason, you need to be, you need to be like, have that height. Right. So, um, I, I know a lot of people are, are, when it comes to cosplay, they're like, don't let your body type get in the way of that. But in my mind, I'm also an actor, you know, so I'm a cosplayer because it's fun, but deep down, really, I'm an actor that wants to do things, play parts. Right. So Freddie was a natural pick for me. Um, I like the character. I like his personality is, is great. It matches mine in the, in the sense of the comedy aspects of Freddie, you know, the sarcasm <laughs> the that he says and everything. So uh, Freddie had a lot to do with body type and, and what I thought I would do good as, as an actor. So, um, but then I had to do it all the way. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't just do it a little bit. So I had this mask. It's a silicone mask. It's, it's custom made. It, it's wonderful. It's my baby. The, the hat, of course, I had Dave Miller who did the hats for the film. Actually, luckily, because I'm do effects, I was able to reach out to him and get an actual hat that he did. Uh, my sweaters are all custom made by this wonderful woman in Italy who hand knits all the sweaters herself. Um, she's done them for the movies. Uh, she started off, she was a, uh, she used to make Kurt Cobain sweaters for Nirvana. And, really? Uh, yep. And Kurt asked for a Freddy sweater and she did the Freddy sweater and he would wear that. There's actually video of him playing concerts, wearing a Freddy sweater. And um, that got the attention of other people. And the next thing you know, she's doing them for the movies. Um, it's the most expensive sweater I ever bought. It's all uh, Himalayan Angora. It's the most beautiful sweater in the world. And of course, as soon as I get it, I have to cut it up and burn it and make it look. Uh, but it's the process. I've been there, done that. It's the process. Yep. yep. Uh, my gloves, my Freddy gloves are made by uh, Anders Ericsson. Uh, who is, uh, you know, the man to make Freddy gloves. Um, he's Robert England uh, talks about his gloves. He uses them. In fact, there's a, uh, what the heck is that show? Uh, oh, what was that called now? Um, comic book uh, show. Oh, uh, I know the show you're talking about, but I can't get the name. Yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on what the name is now. Uh, comic book men? Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic book Lee man, Summer. I believe. Yes, yeah. Uh, it was Kevin, on. Was it? It was on AMC, wasn't it? Right, right. And um, 
there's an episode where Robert England actually comes in and brings one of these gloves and gives it to the one guy on the show and talks about uh, the guy that does them. Uh, he does amazing gloves, uh, absolutely incredible gloves. So, um, you know, I take a great pride in the Freddy. Uh, I, that to me isn't a cosplay. That's a, a full-blown way of life right there. Uh, so, I've seen you multiple times in the Freddy gear. You've seen me multiple times in the Jason. So I firmly agree that, yeah, it's not just a character. You have to be in it to win it, to make it look real. And to say you make it look real is an understatement. It's like you put that, you put the mask on your voice changes. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's what I try. I'm going to, I'm working now uh, to uh, try to get things in place that I can do a, um, um, type of fan film, if you will. I want to do a short little Freddy thing for Halloween this year. So I'm um, I'm trying to get that together and get it ahead uh, done in time that it can come out early October. So hopefully, uh, you know, we could get something going on to do some kind of short. I've been wanting to do a, a little film for YouTube, something small, five, ten minute little thing. Uh, just because it's it's fun to do, but I'd love to be able to actually portray uh, Freddy and um, have some fun, you know, putting something out for Halloween. That would be awesome to see. So for those who tune in, stay tuned. Keep an eye out. You never know what may be coming from Mr. Paul Sutt for October. So, and so what other characters? Like I said, you're big into the Freddy. Like I said, I love it. We we both have proof of it obviously all over facebook and i have it on instagram as well what other characters have you done i know you love to dive into mad max which oh yeah you pull off very well what, what else mad max a few others go uh, give us a little bit more what uh, other ones you do yeah well uh, again the mad max thing you know i'm involved in this group uh, that goes to the show every year wasteland weekend and um we recreate the characters from Mad Max to the road warrior. So there's several different ones I do from there. Um, the dogs of war and everything, several different, uh, characters. And then I'll, uh, of course, I also have a couple of the different Mad Max costumes, uh, from the first movie, from the second movie, from the third movie and from the fourth movie. So I guess I got it all pretty much Mad Max covered. Uh, I like it's not to, a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of my you know fun thing. I do a couple of uh, old school, like I I um, doing a photo shoot uh, as the Phantom of the Opera. Um, that's always a fun thing. I I love that classical take on the uh, the characters. So sort of doing that. Um, you know what else? Uh, geez, I, I've done a lot of original kind of things. You know. Um, where like I just did one recently in this full done uh, voodoo kind of character that I just did. Uh, of course, then I was in the different costuming groups. I, I'm a Tuscan Raider in the 501st and the Rebel Legion. So I have a Tuscan Raider costume for that. I have a Boba Fett costume from Empire Strikes Back. And then I also have a, a custom Mandalorian costume that I did. Uh, called an executioner Mandalorian and was in the Mandalorian Mercs for a long time and would wear that out. And uh, of course, I'm in the G.I. Joe costume group as well. I'm Zartan in the, uh, that, which I absolutely love. He's my favorite character. I do a very 1980s retro 
Zartan from a real American hero cartoon. And in fact, if you want a, a nice laugh, you can go check out a video that I made a couple of years ago, like a little fan film called Cold Slither. Uh, it's a G.I. Joe fan film where uh, in the original cartoon, uh, Cobra enlists Zartan and the Dreadnoughts to record a heavy metal song with subliminal messages in it that will make the minds of the youth obey Cobra, of course. And uh, that was in the cartoon, but I took that and I, I decided I needed to do a version, a real live version of it. So I got all my GI Joe friends together and I recorded, I spent two months, uh, analyzing re-recording all the music myself i played eight different instruments on that i did all the singing on that i recorded about six different vocal tracks and then put them all on top of one another to give it a, a particular effect that was reminiscent of the cartoon i worked so hard on that and then i got all my friends together uh, on what was probably the hottest day of the year. <laughs> I'm sure they loved you for it, too. Oh, yeah, you can't even imagine. Um, and uh, we filmed this this video. Uh, and, uh, of course, we couldn't have the air conditioner running because when we ran the air conditioner in the studio, a very good friend of mine, Joe Chapman, let us borrow. He has the most amazing facility in Allentown. Uh, they created sets there that just are mind-blowing. And he allowed us to come in and shoot at his studio and use his facility. It was just such a, an awesome thing to allow us to do. And um, But every time we turned the light, uh, the air on, it would blow the lights out. So we did it all without a bit of air. Uh, my One of my very, very close friends, uh, Jim Tank, Jim The Tank Dorsey, who played Road Pig and had to play the drums. Uh, he was, he, I'll tell you, that man puts everything into it. And when he's banging on these drums and there's sweat flying, there was like a wet puddle three feet all around him. <laughs> uh, again, the, you know, I'm so fortunate to have such good people in my life that I'm friends with that will do these crazy things with me. Wow. Uh, but Jim's a great guy. He also does Lord Humongous. Uh, he's amazing. Ninety percent uh, of the pictures you see of Lord Humongous from Mad Max Two on the internet are actually him. Uh, he looks identical to the amazing actor uh, who actually was a world class bodybuilder back oh, wow. in the eighties. Yeah, um, uh, the actor that uh, did Mad Max, amazing guy, awesome guy, and. Um, and Tank looks just like him, you know, when he does this. He's just an amazing actor. Boy, talk about a lot of exposition, a lot of good stuff in that one. So what's yeah. the name of that? What's the name of that little film again? Cold Slither. Cold, Cold Slither. Slither. And that can, be, that can be found on YouTube, yes? Yes, sir. It's on YouTube. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if it's on there. It's probably just YouTube is the best bet, you know, type up cold slither. It comes up and, or you can type my name and it's tagged in there as well. A GI Joe fan film it usually comes up with that. And there's a so, page for it as well. So if any of you GI Joe fans out there, go give it a check it, check it out. Tell them what you think of it. Go look it up. That's me uh, doing the Zartan and the GI Joe group. I also do snake eyes. Um, okay. Yep, and I uh, used to do a character named Dusty 
one of the good guys. But uh, so those, uh, let's see, you know, there's a couple weird things that I like to do out of uh, just because I love them. Nobody knows what the hell they are. I go to a show dressed as this and people look at me, they have no understanding. Now, one of the ones, though, that I really love is uh, from a movie called Psychomania that came out in the 70s. It's a British film. And um, it's sort of a, a spin on uh, the living dead, you know, where these bikers commit suicide and then come back to life as like powerful versions of themselves. Not really zombies, but just unstoppable. Whole thing has a great, crazy, packed with Satan vibe to it and everything. So that's one of the cosplays that I really love, but nobody, but five people in the world don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know? But again, I do it for me more than anything else. That's the exact point of it. With cosplays, you do it for you. So what if somebody doesn't know yeah. what it is? I mean, me, I've only dabbled in a few that Michael, Jason, Terminator, and a few others. I'm trying to branch out myself, but if it looks cool, it doesn't matter where it came from. As long as you enjoy it and someone says, that's fucking cool, that's awesome. One of my uh, favorite, I did it a, a, an absolutely awesome show. If uh, anybody on the East Coast uh, RetroCon uh, comes out mm. in September, it's a fantastic show. Again, run by awesome people. Rosemary, she's in the G.I. Joe Club. She's my sister in that. She was in, uh, she's just an awesome person. And they, they do the show out of love because they're fans. You know, those are the best shows. When you have fans putting together shows, not to make money, but because they love what they're doing, those are the shows that just that I love the most. And uh, when um, um, we did the um, whole uh, retrocon last time, I did one of my favorite costumes with my wife and my little dog. Uh, we went as a super family. So I cosplayed. I did Superman. Uh, my wife did Supergirl. My little dog did Crypto. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, one of the most fun shows we ever did, um, all the different celebrities, you know, the, the dog is a little itty-bitty little uh, Morton. So to see, you know, he's the cutest little thing in the world. So it, it's always fun. Oh, bringing an animal, a pet like that place, is always brings out the best in people. You know, it all, oh, look at the cute little dog. Oh, I love him. That's the first thing they say when they say it's like the cute little dog and it's the yeah, superhero yeah. fan. That needs to be a photo shoot with you, your wife, and the dog that yeah, family yeah. yes and even though you know i got the long hair going i'm not exactly a superman but you know i rock it i i have fun with it i enjoy it and that's you could I'm listen if you could rock it do it you yeah. know the, come on you know the drill <laughs> so i guess let's also see you've been to plenty of cons what were some of your favorite ones to go to whether you dressed up or you were just there as a regular um patreon uh, well, you know, again, love the horror stuff. So to me, um, years and years ago, uh, I guess 30 years ago at this point, there was a, a little show I heard about and I was like, what, really? There's a show called Chiller Theater. <laughs> and uh, it was the first year it started up. And I thought, oh my gosh, a show where you can, you know, based on horror movies and things, I got to check this out. So that uh, went there dressed as a vampire and won the very first costume contest they ever had. And it was sort of a biker vampire thing. A lot of fun. Um, but uh, so that and then uh, there's another one in on the East Coast again in New Jersey called Monster Mania. Uh, now, 
Chiller has more or less turned into a pub culture show. They cover a, a lot of different things. Horror yeah. is still part of it, but it's more of a pop culture show. Mm-hmm. But I'm going, and I know everybody there. I know the people that run that. I'm fortunate enough to be called Chiller Family. And that to me, you know, I touches me old heart. So that is one of my all-time favorite shows. It's a it's a great time, and the people there are all my friends. Uh, Monster Mania, another a guy you know that I know really well. Dave runs that show, and it's an amazing show. That's focused more towards horror. You know, always go to that. I I've gone to that dressed as zombie. Uh, I've done vampires at that show. I've done Wolfman at that show. You know, different things like that. A Negan, uh, I love Negan. You know, from you do that very well. Thank you, thank you. It's a, it's just a super fun one. You know, the character itself, when you're at the show, uh, it's just people love to play off that. You know, and then of course you can you can always break into the lines. You know, you got the baseball bat over your shoulder. You know, hmm. you know, it's fun. People just love it. And then when you see someone else dressed as Negan, it's like ah, my Negan. Uh, I'm I'm Negan, you know, we're all Negans. Uh, But yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, Boy, what other things have I done at that show? Uh, I've done uh, Frankenstein. I have a uh, an awesome Frankenstein, uh, not exactly a uh, traditional. um, It's a silicone mask, though, really, a really nice one uh, that I've gone as Frankenstein. I I may have even done uh, one of the cosplays i've done a bunch is the red skull i actually have yes this. i've yeah. seen i've seen you that in a couple of times at the show but at the time i didn't know it was you yeah yeah the red skull he's a he's a lot of fun uh again silicone mask um that really uh moves with your face and it's just awesome and the costume and everything i and as i was saying i actually have one of the rifles from the movie uh, that they used on screen, one of the hydro rifles. Uh, and that it's just an amazing piece. You know, when you walk in, it lights up and does all these things. As soon as you walk in with that, uh, you know, you, you're, you know, the it's center a, of attention. At it's, that. A, it's immediate attention right there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a lot of different ones. I've done uh, snake Pliskin from uh, escape from New York. Oh man, I know there's a couple that I'm like big ones that I can't think of right now, but yeah, just love doing cosplays and dressing up and pretending to be different characters. It's always a fun time. I enjoy it myself. Both shows, like you just said, Chiller and Mania. Chiller, I've only been to a handful of times. Mania was my main and probably still is my main home show. Has been since the start. Well, no, I missed the first show. My first show was in 2005, and I've been going ever since. Yeah, amazing. amazing. Good time. Down to Chelsea Hill. Well, to watch a show grow. Yeah, literally from now was it 15 years ago now? Yeah, I watched it from it wasn't a tiny show, but it it wasn't huge at the time. But then to watch it grow into what it has become, they do a fantastic job down there. Chiller, Chiller is always fun. I started going to that with my uncle, so that never gets old. Retrocon, that's a different kind of show, more pulp culture superhero kind of feel to it. A lot of costuming groups, uh, you know, the finest. That's the G.I. Joe costuming group. They're they're always a big presence there. And those guys are great. Um, 501st, you know, the Rebel Legion, the Mandalorian Mercs. You know, I at a point it was like, 
oh my God, I have to be in all these groups. You know, they're all awesome and they're so much fun. And uh, so, yeah, it was always a, a goal. You know, and then like a Tuscan Raider, uh, I've always loved that particular character, you know, but I'll tell you, it's the hardest thing to cosplay because you can only see through two little <laughs> holes. Uh, but yeah, just moving around, you have to kind of look around and make sure you don't run anybody over. Yeah. You know, kids come up to you and you can't even tell they're there. Yeah. Um, next thing you're walking, it's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, geez. I just, sorry about that. You know, because you get that, that, because you get the tunnel vision. Yep. Yep. You can't see anything below you, you know, or to the sides. That's why, that's the secret to why Tuscan Raiders always travel in a straight line. Because they can't see anything other than what's directly in front of them. There you go. <laughs> uh, so RetroCon will have to be one I have to check out with some Jason or oh, Michael Love then. Absolutely. A fan. Where, now, now, that's in Oaks, PA. I've, um, I've, I've heard of it, but like I said, I've never been. So I was just going to yeah. say, where is that show? For anybody that doesn't know, Oaks, PA, uh, it's a little bit north of Philadelphia. Um Fantastic. Uh, definitely uh, one of the most fun shows. Uh, just ab- the, the crowd that shows up, the, the costumes, the atmosphere, uh, the, everything about that. Again, done by people that just love doing it. It's, it's a con done out of love. You know, I I've tend to uh, shy away from a lot of the bigger New York Comic Con, some of the other ones of Philadelphia and everything, because to me, you know, I hate to see what I feel as shows that gouge the fans, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's all about love. And and uh, when I see corporations coming in and they're all they care about is money, 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 you know, it turns me off. So anymore, uh, we used to do uh, when I was in the 501st and Mandalorian Mercs, a lot of those shows would let us have a table and we would raise money for children and things, you know, uh, children hospitals and St. Luke's and different things. And uh, at a point we were bringing in a lot of money for those organizations. And then the the big Comic-Con groups decided, you know, that we could no longer have a free table. And we had, they started charging us and everything. And really all it did was take money away, you know, from us being able to donate it. And I thought, you know, personally that rubbed me the wrong way. So a lot of the other shows I, I don't even bother with anymore. I, I tend to go for the shows, like I said, that people love to do because they love to do them. Right. I, I, I do completely agree. I've never been to the New York Comic Con. I, I feel that's a show that you do, well, for me, you do one time, be like, okay, I did it. I've been to the Philadelphia Comic Con a couple times, uh, even though, like I said, haven't done New York. Of the two, the Philadelphia one is a lot more personable. It's yeah. not. It's not as uh, even in that big space as compact because it's basically you need to move in straight lines. Yeah. But if the smaller shows just always resonate better. Yep. Because, like you said, pe- people love people love to do them. You're going to get fans who love them. You know. Those are always the best ones. No disrespect to the big shows. Just yeah, the yeah. smaller the smaller ones, just they have that atmosphere to it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's what I like. And of course, you know, I really enjoy photo shoots. And um, <laughs> to me, that's that's like a movie thing, you know, uh, where you can have uh, 
I'll tell you, you know, you and I both, uh, we've done some absolutely amazing pictures together. Uh, our Freddie and versus Jason photos. If anybody hasn't seen them, you should check it out because Bobby by far, by far is the best Jason I've ever seen. I mean, he, he, not only does he have the absolute perfect physique, the size, uh, the right length of body, like everything is proportionate, perfect to Jason and, um, big dude, you know, strong, but he knows the part. So he becomes Jason when he does that, you know, and I feel like our, some of the stuff that we've shot, you know, movie quality pictures, and we're very, very lucky. We have, uh, some groups of photographers that we work with that are just, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's, that's a, that's a long list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's, really, a, it's a great list. It is. And we're so fortunate uh, to have them and to have each other, you know, to play off of and everything. Um, just that to me, that is so much fun. Uh, and it's a little bit different. You know, con is one thing. The photo shoots are a little bit different acting in something is that as another thing you know but the, right well i'll tell you they are just uh, that's just how i want to spend the rest of my life i don't care how old i get as i get older i'll, I'll just gravitate to older parts you know I'm good with it. that's okay i mean listen i mean the, the cosplay for me will always be part of my the horror i mean everybody yeah. knows for anybody who has seen me on the other shows i'm a horror nerd Absolutely. I'm, I'm a, I, I love my movies too, though. I need to branch out a lot more, but that'll always be part of my life, no matter what my main career is, which is what I'm working on now. But the, the cosplay and the movie stuff, that will always be there. So yeah, I would always love to do photo shoots in spare time, you know? So I, I know we said we, we need to do one eventually. We need to do a nice night one. I got a couple yeah. of things I'm working on now. They're coming sporadically along with a few other things. But, you know, when they're done, they're done, and they'll be the quality that I want them to be, and I know you will be the same way. Yeah, you know, you and I are the same way that we hold ourselves, as, as I was telling you about the Freddy thing, mm -hmm. um, we hold our standards to the highest levels, you know, absolutely. And everything has to be perfect or else it's just not good enough. Yeah. And, uh, that's just the way we are. But I, I love that. And I love that about you, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun to, uh, be, uh, involved with somebody like yourself who takes it the same way that I do, you know? Yeah. It's, it's for fun. But we take our fun very seriously. Yes, we listen. I have thrown costumes away. Yeah, I took one look at it and said, "Nope, that's no good." Yeah, start over. You know, but it, it's the fun and the art. Yes, it's time consuming. Yeah, it's costly. But when it comes together after a while, it's got to look good. And then when it looks good, it just makes it ten thousand times better. And you'll have that for the rest of your lives. You know, the thing, uh, as I've come to realize it, um, to do things like this is an amazing thing to look back on later. It brings back memories. It, it reminds you of the good people, the good times, the fun you had doing it. So will it lead to anything? Is anybody going to see me as Freddy Krueger and say, I got to put him in a movie? Who the hell knows? I don't care. I'm doing it for me because it's what I love. It's what I enjoy. It's what I want to have to look back on later and um, to say, you know, I did I did the things that I love to do in life. And really, that's that's important. I, I, I don't think I could agree more. You said it 100 percent. 
And thank you also for the compliment. I don't think you could say it any better way. Just there's no way. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. So we're going to get wrapping up here. But, Paul, where can the people find you if they do want maybe a sword or something? Where can they find your content? Where can they find you? Give it, Give them your information. Sure. Or, you know, where they, your social media. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on uh, Instagram as Paul uh, uh, underscore dog underscore of underscore war. <laughs> How confusing. So it's Paul dog of war with underscores between all the words, you know. Um, and I, I put uh, pictures up there. I have a Paul Sutt Instagram page where I post a lot of my cosplay stuff and modeling stuff. Uh, Facebook, of course, Paul Sutt under there. I have a, a page for the cosplay stuff and Forge Junkie. Um, you know, I'm all over YouTube and stuff. If you, you want to find me, I'm pretty accessible. Anybody watching and or listening or will see this, go give him a go check him out. Go check out his content. You'll you'll see plenty of things. Don't be afraid to say hello, especially now with his swords doing it. Like you can't go wrong, guys. You saw the quality. He makes them by hand. Come on. Give the man some love. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of The Machine Shop. If you want to hear and or see this episode, you want to go to Project Louder, where you can find tons of other uh, podcasts like the Gormore podcast, Fatality. You'll be able to find Wicked Wednesdays, obviously The Machine Shop here, along with Beetle Bros and so many other podcasts. So please give this episode a listen. Go give those shows a listen. Check out everything you can and, you know, go check it out. So I want to thank my friend, very good friend here, Paul Sutt, for coming on the show with me. Paul, thank you so, so much for everything. Thank you for having me and thank you all for watching. So that is it. We will be signing off for this episode. So this is my friend, Paul Sutt. I am Bobby Amon, The Killing Machine. You can find me on Instagram and you can find me on Facebook. So come give us some love and we'll catch you later. Bye, guys.